Father in heaven, we pray your spirit will be with us. A spirit, a spirit of wisdom today, Lord. That's what we seek. Give us wisdom today for living. In Jesus' name, amen. So how are you at receiving advice? I think the advice that we never like to get is the person that comes to us and says, you're very bad at getting advice. There's no win on that one, right? No, I'm not. You kind of proved the point. How are you at getting advice? And, And this is actually a very important point because your ability to receive advice will be the difference between you being able to learn some things from others versus you having to experience everything yourself. Um, I, have, uh, I have three sons in my family. The oldest is, I guess, kind of a typical oldest child in that uh, he was always at least inclined to suspect that Alicia and I might have some wisdom. So he, as a general rule, would take advice. The second one was not too bad when it came to advice, but he did like to debate as to whether or not that advice was good. The third pretty much took any suggestion mom and dad might make as a very clear mandate to go and try the opposite just to make sure (laughs) whether it was true or not. So he's learned a lot more from experience than the others. How are you with advice? There's, there's really kind of two ditches with advice. The ditch on the one side is you reject all advice because you know everything already. Now, we'll get to you in a minute when we, when we start reading some of what we're going to look at today. But, but that, is, that is one perilous point when it comes to advice. You don't listen to anybody. You don't take anything. And you invariably get beaten over the head lots of times by life. But there's another ditch as well, and that other ditch is you're a mindless acceptor of advice. Now, some people mindlessly accept advice from anyone, and then they get into all kinds of crazy things. But there's an interesting version of this in our day, and uh, social media plays a really big role in this. And that is you get an inclination in your mind, and then you accept any report you get that goes along with what you already think. And you can count on social media to give you plenty of fodder to build upon what you already believe. Now, this is actually a point that I think is is relevant, particularly in our time and in various discussions that have been going on about uh, uh, foreign influence in our elections and things like that. And okay, I'll concede, it's probably bad form for another country to try to influence our elections. But, But here's what I really think. Not shame on them, shame on us. What kind of idiots are we that somebody can put something false on social media and we'll consume it and share it? Who's the dumb one? All right? So it's like, yeah, wow, they shouldn't do that. That's terrible. No, we shouldn't be stupid is is what it is. You gotta, you gotta think about what you're doing. You gotta think about what you're looking at. And if you agree with it completely, there's gotta be something wrong with it, right? Because none of us knows everything. So, so what about wisdom? How are we at receiving wisdom? We don't very often preach out of the book of Proverbs. 
It doesn't really lend itself so well to a, to a sermonic process because typically we'll, we'll preach out of some sort of developed theology. You get a lot of that in Paul. We'll, we'll preach a certain thought. Or we'll preach a story out of a, an Old Testament story or out of the Gospels or something like that, and it, it kind of holds together. Usually if we use Proverbs, we're just jumping in there to grab a proverb. Now, of all the books of the Bible, Proverbs is the best one to do that with because that's what it is. It's, it's this collection of sayings, and most of the chapters themselves, the sayings, don't even necessarily follow a, a specific theme. They're just kind of there. So it's really hard to put together a sermon because where do you start? Where do you stop? What if the themes don't go together? So, so we tend to not do it, which on the one hand makes sense, but on the other hand is unfortunate because there's a lot of wisdom here and you don't typically hear it at church. Now don't go out of here saying we never hear wisdom at church. That would hurt my feelings. But, but there's a lot of wisdom that we don't get to. So we have a Sabbath here today. We're not really into the things we're going to be doing this summer, and, and we're not still doing some of the things we were doing before. We had this Sabbath here, June 1st. I thought, let's, let's take a stab at Proverbs. So I found a little section that I think we can use, and I think it ties in pretty well. There's kind of a beginning and an end, even though I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go over a little bit and use a couple more verses. But it's in Proverbs chapter 3. And I want us to just go through a little section here today. Today is all about our ability to hear and accept wisdom. Now, here's the promise I'm going to make you today. If you will hear these things and accept these things and implement them in your life, your life will get better potentially by this evening. Okay, that's how powerful this can be if we will actually put these things into practice. But it's one thing to say that. It's another thing to do it. So here we go. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1, begins with the words, My son. Now this is an interesting to, way to, to start the passage here. And, and it can be taken literally in the context of a, of a parent to a child. And, and again, remember, it, it says son here, but it's daughter as well. This is, so it could be a parent to a child, or it could be, uh, someone who is, is recognized as an authority or who knows to someone else who's needing that, or we could also receive it as God speaking to us. So, so these are ways that we can understand that. And, and let me just add this piece, particularly if you are a child, but really all through your life, it is to your advantage to respect the wisdom of your parents. There are very few parents in the world who actually want bad for their children, even though most children sometimes wonder about that when mom and dad make rules. But you will be better off if you will listen to and respect what your parents tell you, because every parent has at least some wisdom. Some parents, like mine, have tons of wisdom, and I wish I'd listened to it all. But you will be better off if you listen. So, so here we go. My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. For length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. So, so he says, don't forget my law, 
and let your heart keep my commands. So in a home setting, that means the, the rules of the home. Honor the rules of the home. In the context with God, that means the law that God has given us. Now, back when we did the Ten Commandments series several years ago, we kicked it off with a passage from Psalms, from the Psalms, Psalm 19. And I want to go there again because these are powerful words. You, you probably know them, but I want you to reflect on them again as we go into this. Psalm 19, verse 7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect. Now, this is uh, the Lord there, meaning Yahweh, the name of God. So I'm going to read it that way, and maybe that'll help you not sing the song in your head when we go through this, if you learn that. But uh, the law of Yahweh is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of Yahweh is sure, making wise the simple. There's wisdom in it. The statutes of Yahweh are right, rejoicing the heart. They benefit us on the inside. The commandment of Yahweh is pure, enlightening the eyes. What other source of wisdom do you have in your life that is 100% pure? The The fear of Yahweh is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of Yahweh are true and righteous altogether. Now here we go, verse 10. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey, and the honeycomb. Now we're going to come back to this idea of the value of of the statutes of God, the wisdom of God as being of more value than gold. But now verse 11, moreover by them your servant is warned and in keeping them there is great reward. The suggestion here is that to live according to what the Lord has revealed to us will reward us in our lives. That's the concept. And, And it plays out in this first two verses here as well. My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. Now here comes the reward. For length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. Do you remember the the commandment that says honor your father and your mother and that there is a reward attached to it? That thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God has given you. It's the same message. Here it's saying, honor my commands and you will have length of days, long life, and peace. Now, what that is saying is that that if you honor God and honor God what he's taught us, if you will honor your parents as a child when you're home, it will bring peace to the home and you will prosper for doing that. Who is your worst enemy? Is the worst enemy in your life God who has all these crazy rules that you have to follow but don't do you any good? I don't think that's your worst enemy. Because my experience with the laws of God is that I benefit when I follow them and I suffer when I don't. So it doesn't look like he's my enemy, even if sometimes he's telling me what I don't want to hear. Now, that's a very important point about receiving advice. Just because someone's telling you what you don't want to hear doesn't make them your enemy. We would do well to embrace that in the larger discourse of our time. Anyone that disagrees with me must be my enemy. Well, actually, someone who disagrees with you might be trying to help you. Who's your worst enemy? Well, I don't think it's God. 
Is it someone else in your life? There are some of you who have someone in your life who really does make your life very difficult. I'm not going to tell you that can't happen. But I will tell you in my life, there isn't anyone out there who makes trouble for me in my life more effectively than the one who really is my worst enemy. You know who my worst enemy is? Me. That's right. Me. I'm my worst enemy. Most of the difficulty I confront in my life is my fault. No matter how hard I try to blame it on other people. I am usually my worst enemy because I don't take good advice and I don't follow what God has laid out for me. That's, that's been the tendency in my life. And, and the crisis always comes at that point where there is what God is calling me to do and pursue versus what I think I want to do right now. That's that crisis point. And, and when I make the right choice and go God's way, I have found consistently in my life it goes well. When I make that other choice, I have found consistently in my life I pay the price for doing that. So I'm coming to you today from the book of Proverbs offering you wisdom. Not wisdom I came up with, but from best we understand, wisdom that God gives us through King Solomon recorded in this book. Will you heed this advice? Well, let's see what it is. Verse 3. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. This is incredibly good advice right here. There was a book written once. Uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People. You heard of that book? Dale Carnegie wrote this book. And, And the point here is that you need to understand is how you behave in society will affect how people feel about you. Okay, don't get all high and mighty with the, I gotta be me, I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do. Fine, do what you're gonna do. We probably won't like you that way. Does that offend you to hear? You see, if you're mean to me, I'm probably not going to feel like you're a good friend. If you're rude, I'm probably not going to choose to spend time with you. What this text is telling us is is very interesting. So these two words here, mercy and truth, it's kind of like they have a hard time interpreting these in English because if you read them in different translations, you'll get, for mercy, you'll get mercy, kindness, loyalty, and love. So what I want to suggest here is that that love in its fullness would work really well here. And and what it's saying is be that kind of person. It's using this symbol of binding it around your neck. It's like you're wearing a giant medallion that anybody that sees you sees that that's how you are. So I think love in its fullest sense works here, but not love in its sentimental context. I mean love in terms of, of mercy, kindness, and loyalty. So let me just tell you a little something about me. If I'm interacting with you and I find you to be loving, I find you to be merciful, I find you to be kind, and I find you to be loyal, I have a tendency to think highly of people like that. Okay? What the Bible's saying here is if you will be that kind of a person, not fake it, because you'll break down if you fake it. 
It says, like a medallion, but also written on your heart. If you will be loving, if you will be kind, if you will be merciful, and you will be loyal, people will like you better. It's called wisdom. And there's another part to it. The second word is truth. And that one can be, sometimes is translated as faithfulness as well. The other piece of it is if you will be a true and faithful friend, I won't just like you today. I'll still like you 20 years from now. Because that's the reward that says it goes with this. It says, let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Why does that give you high esteem in the sight of God? Well, what are the great commandments? Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you are showing kindness, mercy, loyalty, faithfulness, being truthful, and loving others, you're fulfilling God's commandment. This is how, this is how life works. It doesn't matter if you don't want it to be that way. It, it's how it works. It's, we have a little waterfall back here, and, and, and water fills up and falls over. It doesn't matter if I like it or not. It doesn't matter if I want it to or not. That's how it works. This is how life works. Be a loving, faithful person, and people will love you. Be a jerk, and they won't. That's how it works. It matters how we treat people. And we can't just say, these are the people I love if we're not willing to love these people. Verse 5. Oh, we did 5. No, we didn't do 5. Verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. Trust in the Lord, but there's, a, there's another side of that. Sometimes you've got to distrust your own motives. Trust in the Lord. Lean not on your own understanding. So in my life, I have at least two very clear um, incidences where I leaned on my own understanding and didn't trust in the Lord with all my heart. One of them happened when I was still a chemical engineer, and the other one sadly happened after I'd actually become a pastor. You'd like to think after you become a pastor, you always do what the Lord wants, but didn't turn out that way. Who knew, right? So the first time when I was an engineer, I, I, was, I was actually living in Florida. We were living in the Tampa area at the time, and, and, and everything was going pretty well where I was and where I was working. But I got it in my heart that I wanted to live in another place. It was not a place where the Lord had opened the doors for me to go or that it had directed me anyway. And in truth, I was not listening that closely to the Lord's leading in my life at that point. But even at the time, I think I knew, and as I reflect, I know for sure, that, that, that the Lord was not directing us to do this. But I kicked down the door. You ever kick down the door? I kicked down the door because that's what I wanted to do. My wisdom said that's what will make me happy. 
I kicked down that door, and you know what was on the other side of it? A disaster. Dumbest thing I ever did. Now, the Lord was merciful. He brought me out of that and brought me into another scenario, and and the rest of my life played out uh, according to his purpose. But that was dumb, and I wish I hadn't done that. I leaned on my own understanding. I didn't trust in the Lord, and, and the result was not the path that he wanted me to go on. It turned out bad. Another time was very similar to that. It was when I was a pastor, and I, I thought there was an opportunity that I thought I should pursue, and I, and I pushed down that road even though I don't know that the Lord was really in it. And it was very similar. It was not quite as intense a disaster, but it was still not good. Now again, the Lord's merciful. He brought me through that, got me into another scenario. But I, do you have these examples in your life? If you reflect on your own life, do you see those times where you pushed against the will of God because you thought you wanted it? You leaned on your own understanding. Now, let me give you the other side of this. There were several times in my life where the Lord opened up opportunities for me where I said, that's crazy. I don't want to go there. I can't do that. That's not going to happen. But I trusted Him and did it. And they turned out to be amazing experiences so even if it doesn't make sense to you if you know that the Lord is leading you in that direction go in that direction because he says he'll direct your steps go that way trust in the Lord verse 7 do not be wise in your own eyes this is the this is the uh, diagnosis of those who cannot receive advice They already know everything. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. This is kind of like the previous previous proverb about trusting in the Lord with all your heart, only this one gets really personal. It really gets down to you. The person that is wise in their own eyes, you can't tell them anything. Ever met that person? Ever been that person? (laughs) You tell them something and they're like, yeah, but uh, that's not going to work for me because of this. Okay, well, maybe you should, yeah, but that's really not. Nothing applies to them. You have no wisdom that can help them at all. And finally, you just say, oh, great one, may it be to you (laughs) as you have wished. You cannot save them from anything. Don't be that person. And particularly, don't be that person when it comes to God. When God is saying to you, don't go that way, don't tell Him, yeah, but Lord, you don't really understand. It's different here. No, don't go that way. Just don't do it. Now, I wish I I was telling you that because I've always been wise like that, but I haven't. I'm prone to being wise in my own eyes. But there's something that comes to you when you're wise in your own eyes, and And we'll get to that in a second. But we're going to do one more here. Oh, let me just mention on that as well. The reward that comes from not doing everything your own way, but listening to advice, the reward that Scripture says will come with that is health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Always doing it your way will harm you. Emotionally, physically, spiritually. 
But trusting the Lord will make you stronger emotionally, physically, spiritually. Okay, verse 9. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Now, this is a repeat of, of the most crazy promise in the Bible that I would never be so bold to stand up in front of you and say if it didn't occur in the Bible repeatedly. And that is, if you will be faithful to return your tithes and generous with your monies, the Lord will do more with what you have left than if you'd kept it all. That's the promise of the Bible. I I would never be so bold to tell you that, but the Bible itself says 90% plus God's blessing or 80% plus God's blessing will always be more than 100% without it. That's what it says. That's called wisdom. And it's a teaching that ought to be a challenge to us because to say, no, I'm not going to do that is to, what does it say? Be wise in your own eyes, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, I just can't do that. Well, I guess you know better than God then. Yeah. That's a hard one. But I'll tell you, there's people in this congregation who have tested the Lord on this and who have been faithful throughout their lives with their tithes and generous with their offerings And they could stand up right now and tell you ways that the Lord blessed them and brought them back more than they ever gave. I can even tell that story. And in my meager context, doing the best I can with the blessings the Lord has given me, I have received back so much more in blessing than I ever could have gotten on my own. Verse 11. Now, now, what I like about this is verse 11, I think, kind of wraps this section up. I think it works because it, it starts again with, my son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord. You remember, it started with, my son, do not forget my law. So verse 11 says, my son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, the son in whom he delights. One of the things that happens to you when you are wise in your own eyes is you learn what it means to be chastened by the Lord. What he does is he allows the consequences that come as a result of your action to come upon you. And they teach you. And it's not always fun. And sometimes we say, Lord, why could you let something like this happen to me? Is it possible? that the answer could be, because I love you. That's a hard one, right? But if you've been a parent, you understand this in the context of your own child, right? You allow a consequence to come. Because what does your child learn if you always rescue them from consequences? Well, they'll survive as long as you're there to rescue them. But as soon as they're out on their own, what's going to happen? Train wreck. Okay, the Lord allows. Now, I'm not saying every bad thing that comes upon you is, 
is the Lord trying to tell you something? I'm not saying that. But I am saying, and you can probably think of examples in your own life where this has happened, where you have insisted to go contrary to the Lord's purpose and you have suffered the consequence of going that way. Don't despise it when it happens because it could bring you back. The answer to the prayer, Lord, help me, could sometimes be trouble coming into your life because there's no other way to get you off that course. Psalm 19 again. I want to go back up there, back there and pick up this verse. About this, these, these laws of the Lord and the counsel of the Lord, it says, More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. So, so I've, I've tried to visualize this in my mind so that I can learn this lesson, so that I can appreciate God's law and what He gives us, because it, it doesn't come naturally to me to do that. So what I imagine is a pile of gold sitting here along the path. And then on the other side of the path, God's law, God's teaching, all that God would give me. And here I am walking along the path and I stumble upon, oh look, pile of gold. Oh look, God's law. Yeah, I'm really tempted to grab this. But what the Scripture is telling me is this is far more useful to me than this. The law of God, the teaching of God, what God would have me understand and live in my life is of greater value to me than winning the lottery. That I am benefited more because I own this book and I have some idea what it says than if somebody showed up at my door with a check for a billion dollars. Do I believe that? See, that's what I challenge myself on. Do I believe that? I do. But it still makes it kind of stark, doesn't it? Because I'm wise enough in my own eyes that I think, well, yeah, but I could uh, find a way, right? No. More to be desired than gold. Now, Now, think about that. How many hours every day do you spend pursuing gold? We call them jobs, right? And we do good in those jobs. I'm not not trying to minimize it. But think about it in that context. Uh, Most of you are overachievers. So eight hours probably doesn't quite get it for you. Ten, twelve. How many hours a day do we spend pursuing the wisdom of God? Okay, now obviously, I'm not asking you to spend eight hours a day reading Scripture because... The wisdom of God is so amazing and so powerful that you don't have to spend as long chasing it as you spend chasing gold. But if you just spent 15 minutes, if you just spent 30 minutes every day pursuing the wisdom that comes from God, it would be more valuable to you than everything you earned in all those other hours you spend in that day. And He gives it to you. The only thing you have to do is invest yourself. We have more access than any generation in history. So verse 13 of Proverbs 3 says, Happy is the man who finds wisdom. Happy is the woman who finds wisdom. And the man or woman who gains understanding 
For her, the her refers to wisdom, for her proceeds are better than the profits of silver and her gain than, five, than fine gold. So, so here's, here's where we wrap it up. You're pretty smart, but you're not smart enough. You see, we're fallen humanity. God created us pretty special, but even then we weren't smart enough. We got into trouble. And we keep getting into trouble day after day after day. We're pretty smart. We make a lot of good choices, but we also make some really bad ones. And if we're just left to our own reasoning, there will be a flaw somewhere in our mental system that will lead us to a conclusion that will destroy us. This is the corrective for the flaw and the presence of the Holy Spirit that helps us to understand these things. We are not wise enough on our own. We need the wisdom that comes from God. And He's given it to us. He's made it available to us. Now, I told you, if you put these things into practice, your life could be better by this evening. Now, I've only just chosen a short little section here of chapter 3. There's, there's what, 30 chapters? Something like that, anyway, in Proverbs. But if you just did these things, if you let mercy and truth be like emblems around your neck, if you were just an amazing person to be with, you were so kind, you were so merciful, you're thoughtful, you're loyal, you care about other people, you're truthful with them, if you would do that, your life would get better relationally. Guarantee it. And if you were to trust in the Lord with all your heart and not constantly say, yeah, Lord, I know you want that, but, but I'm going to go this way. And if rather than being wise in your own eyes, you, you said, God, you are great. I have called you Lord. I will honor you. If you were to do that. And if you were to honor the Lord with your possessions, like he said, of the blessing he gives you if you return to him his tithe and you're generous to those around you. Just those things right there make your life better. Now, it's hard to choose, isn't it? But wisdom, wisdom chooses and chooses well. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you are a great God. And you have shared with us wisdom. You've enabled us to think and to feel and to do. Help us to use those skills for the right reason. Help us to not be wise in our own eyes, but to commit ourselves to your purpose. And Lord, thank you for the blessings that come to the faithful. Bless us in Jesus' name. Amen.